Let's go to Ukraine now, because Russian President Vladimir Putin plans to attend a ceremony at the Kremlin tomorrow in Moscow that will see four regions of Ukraine illegally annexed, I should say illegally annexed, by Moscow. The move comes after voters, they weren't voting, supposedly approved independence and referendums managed by Moscow um, at gunpoint, mostly, that Ukraine and the West have denounced as illegal, forced and rigged, because of course they are. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau continues to condemn Russia's planned annexation of those parts of Ukraine, calling the votes held there illegal and illegitimate. He's promising more sanctions from Canada. Meantime, at the UN, the Secretary General said it marks a dangerous escalation today. Um, You know, it's 15% of Ukrainian territory. They did this. This playbook comes from 2014 with Crimea. But here's what the reality of it is. When they make it Russian territory, even if they're the only ones who recognize it, um, it is the largest forcible annexation of European territory since the Second World War. It also means that Putin will then claim, at least, to defend it um, from recapture, even though it is, in fact, Ukrainian land. And he doesn't control huge parts of it. So they'll continue to fight for it. So it means the war will continue, undoubtedly. Um, And it won't be part of negotiations to return it to Ukraine later. So it tries to establish facts on the ground, which he's not really in a position to establish, but he'll try anyway. Joining me now with more on this is, in fact, Canada's ambassador to the UN, Bob Ray. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you, Ben. Good to be with you again. Yeah, I mean, this really feels like like an escalation, doesn't it? Like like a change of tactic. But... um, just your reaction to this announcement that the formal annexation, the illegal annexation, uh, will be formalized in Moscow tomorrow. Well, I don't think there's any real surprise. Um, the, the it's it's essentially a tactic which uh, allows Mr. Putin to declare victory, um, uh, to say this is what it was all about in the first place, and um, we are formalizing that. Um, as he did with Crimea. Um, the, the thing we have to remember is that the conflict, however, is, is not over. Um, he is, uh, he continues to, uh, to, to, to fight and to send missiles in and to, and to continue to try to destroy Ukraine's infrastructure. Um, he, he, Ukraine continues to fight to, uh, on on these borders on the south and and uh, and on, and east and north of the country, uh, which is territory which Russia has originally made significant gains on compared to where they were in February, uh, and then um, was pushed back quite a lot by Ukraine, and now they've said, well, okay, now we're going to annex. It's not completely clear. I mean, it looks as if they're annexing um, parts of the country uh, that they don't even control right now, uh, which is strange, strange in my view. But it's also a, a tactic that's designed to say, look, we're now defending the homeland. We're defending our homeland uh, and you're attacking us. So we have a right to self-defense against that. And that's what this is all about. So he can, he can at once, in the same time, he can say we've, you know, we've consolidated our victory uh, and at the same time give him a narrative that allows him to say we're defending um, our country. Um, that creates a, another possibility, a set of possibilities about what additional steps he might take to deal with a country that, uh, the Ukraine, that he would now describe as the aggressor. Uh, because if he's, 
if he's defending his territory and Ukraine is trying to take it back, then and, and he's now declared that the territory that he stole is his, uh, it allows him to say, um, we're defending ourselves against the aggressor, which which is, a, if I may say so, it, it, it fits into the kind of narrative war, the war of propaganda uh, that he has been fighting from the beginning. I mean, nobody bought the special military operation line. Nobody bought the denazification and all that other nonsense that he was talking about at the beginning. So now he thinks he's got a more credible narrative that he can talk about defending contested territory that is no longer contested because we've annexed it and it now belongs to us. Um, and and I think it's a it's a to that extent it's a it's a change that uh, we all have to respond to. Yeah, because it does bring in, I mean, he's talked about this, it does bring into the equation the notion of, of tactical nuclear weapons, of course, defending what is now Russian territory, at least according to Moscow. And and, and that certainly raises the stakes diplomatically in your shoes, I would imagine. Yes and no. I mean, I have to say that uh, I, I think that when uh, Jake Sullivan from the U.S. and, and other experts uh, say uh, we have to take it seriously, uh, I'm not going to disagree with them. Uh, I think, it, of course, when somebody says I'm going to use a nuclear weapon, you, you, can't, you can't you can't just dismiss it. Um, but I think that even for even for President Putin, who who is who has made the classic mistake, I think, of giving into his impulses in this war. Uh, and if you if you think and act impulsively, you always get into trouble. Uh, I think most people know that <laughs> based on their own behavior. Um, and I, I think that um, the use of nuclear weapons is, is something that if you were to use them impulsively, it would have terrible, terrible consequences. Um, and it would be, have consequences that would, do, that would do Russia no good at all and do the world no good at all. Um, I think I don't think he cares very much about the world, and I don't think he cares if he pollutes and poisons other people. The history would show that the evidence would show that he doesn't care about that. But I think he has to be concerned about the consequences to his own country of such a uh, not. I wouldn't even describe it as risky, such a disastrous uh, maneuver, uh, because he would be basically uh, writing his own epitaph. Um, in, in ways that I, I think he he wouldn't want at all to do. So I I mean I know that people do things sometimes that don't make sense or don't appear to serve their interests, but this one would absolutely not serve his interests. It's always that question as to whether or not Putin is a rational actor uh, or or isn't he? How are you? He what are you hearing from your European counterparts? I know we're heading into a winter. There's a lot of concern about energy shortages. We're seeing what's happening in the UK this week with their economy. Um, you know, this would seem to offer an end in some ways, not a good end. It would be a frozen conflict with more, 15% more of Ukraine's territory gone. But do you sense there's any desire from some of Ukraine's allies now to try to push this towards a conclusion, at least an unhappy one for all sides? No, no. I don't think so. Um, certainly not not publicly, not even privately. Um, in conversation uh, at the UN, where there's lots of corridors and lots of conversations that happen privately, um, I don't I don't believe that's the case. I think that uh, if you take this 
this uh, Nord Stream pipeline explosion. Uh, I think the Europeans are coming to appreciate more and more um, that they are dealing and we are all dealing with um, a really bad actor uh, and with a state that um, is impulsive, reckless, and uh, and ruthless. And that this is, and in many ways, in, in ways that are completely incompatible with membership, the participation, leadership of the United Nations. Um, they're, they're not just a member of the UN, they're a, a permanent member, and they are, they are a, a member with a veto on the Security Council, and they're behaving like a rogue state. And, and when countries do that, uh, it, it doesn't, I think it's not something which lends itself to, you know, hey, I got a good idea, let's do a deal with a rogue state. I mean, why would you do that? I, I don't think that's what people are thinking. I think the problem that Europeans have is is the consequence of, of their decision to become as energy dependent on Russia as they have become, and that is a huge problem. Uh, and and we we are all going to do whatever we can, whatever every country can do, to help them get through what will be a, a difficult winter. Um, but I I don't believe that that in itself is going to is going to lead people to want to do a deal that is, from any objective standpoint, against their own interest. Um, I think Mr. Putin's behavior is such that doing a deal with him is of, is of no interest to, to a lot of countries that might before have said, yes, we have no choice but to do some kind of a deal with, uh, with Putin. I don't think people feel that way anymore. I'm speaking with Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray. We're talking about Russia's announcement that they will uh, formally and illegally announce the annexation of about 15% of Ukrainian territory tomorrow. These are four different areas, two in the east, two in the south, or one in the middle, rather, Donetsk, Luhansk, Zaporizhia, and Kherson. Um, and the reaction to it, we come back, uh, what should be the reaction to it? Obviously, the Prime Minister today condemning the referenda that were held uh, as shams, as most of the world has. But what is the proper response now? We'll get to that after this. Bob Ray is with us this half hour. He's Canada's ambassador to the United Nations. We're talking about uh, Russia's plans to formally and illegally announce the annexation of about 15% of Ukrainian territory uh, on Friday in Moscow. Uh, this follows uh, this, a series of, of highly illegal referenda in those areas, whereby the Moscow now claims that uh, there is a public will in these provinces or these areas to join the Russian Federation. And of course, uh, Mr. Ray was discussing the... Um, you know, the, the tactic at play here in Moscow, that this then allows them to claim that this is now Russian territory and any encroachment on it, even by the Ukrainians, of course, it's their land, uh, would be seen as an act of aggression. Um, so, so, Mr. Ray, what is the proper response now? I mean, we've heard a lot of condemnation, which is fine. New sanctions, I guess. I mean, how do you tighten the screw uh, screws on, on Russia for this one? Well, I don't think I don't think it's from our point of view, I think tightening the screws is what we can do. I think we can continue to arm Ukraine and provide Ukraine with the assistance, both financial uh, and in terms of equipment and, and so on that, uh, that they need, as well as the humanitarian assistance that, uh, that the UN needs and others need who are, who are caring for um, the millions of Ukrainians who've been displaced and left. I, I think the Ukrainians will fight. The Ukrainians will continue to fight and try to press back against the, uh, the incursion uh, and I think we're seeing signs of that already. Um, the 
in the north, the, the Ukrainians have taken back Kharkiv and they pushed well beyond Kharkiv to, uh, to another fallback position of the Russians. And I, I think they'll be pushing back very hard uh, on, on, those, on those positions in the, in the northeast of the country, as well as in the southwest of the country and, and wherever else they can, they can, make, uh, they can make real progress uh, militarily. Um, the so-called Russian um, conscription is probably not going to produce a bunch of trained soldiers who are ready to fight on the border uh, on that new on that new line on the on the on the line of, of conflict uh, for quite some time. So I I think that what led to the Russian collapse um, of their defensive of their offensive position and moved them back on the back foot. Uh, I don't think that. Those conditions have changed, uh, and the fact that, in response to the conscription, more people have left the country than have been signed up, uh, which is quite an incredible statistic when you think about it. It is that uh, it's that's what what the announcement of the conscription has led to is a greater loss of population than they've been able to conscript, and plus the people that they've lost are people who are. Uh, bright, well-educated, and, and ready to move, and and uh, that I think is is devastating for the Russian economy as well as for the, the practical reality of how any country fights a war when the population is opposed to it. Uh, even dictators have to be aware of public opinion, uh, and I think that's what Mr. Putin is having to come to grips with. Do you think there's a little hangover here from 2014? You know, the annexation of Crimea was done. We felt, I mean, I was there at the time uh, from a position of stealth and strength in Moscow. It feels like this one is very different. Um, and I can't imagine the outcome will be the same, but the playbook is the same. And I don't, it's not surprising that he would return to that playbook, but it feels like it's not nearly like, like it was in 2014. But perhaps our thoughts of 2014 and what happened then are still there now. In other words, that he can you know, change the reality on the ground, even though in this case, it looks like he probably couldn't. Well, I mean, don't forget the, 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 the person who wrote the book on annexation and, and uh, uh, changing facts on the ground is Adolf Hitler. Right. Uh, his whole tactic on, in Sudetenland uh, to the east of Germany and to the west of Germany and the, and the Rhineland was exactly the same. You, you take over territory and then you stare the other guy down Say, what are you going to do about it? That's exactly what uh, what Putin did in Crimea. I, I think we all bear, uh, in, in all of NATO countries, everyone bears a lot of a lot of responsibility for our failure to respond in such a way that Putin would have had to think twice about doing it again. Um, I think he I think he felt having succeeded in Crimea from his perspective. Uh, I think he felt that he could succeed here with the with the same uh, lack of resistance, I think he's he's been proven wrong uh, in this in that the, there's been incredible resistance and resilience from the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian army, and there's been incredible joined joined up determination on the part of Europe to to respond to uh, to the to the aggression. But he wouldn't be the first dictator who's had one experience and thinks that's the way it's going to be, and then is surprised when the when the reaction is very different. I mean, historically, Hitler, I think, believed that he could march into Poland just as he marched into Czechoslovakia uh, and that there would be no more resistance or 
action on the part of Europeans than there was before, and uh, he was proven wrong. And so uh, I think Mr. Putin's been proven wrong to think that he can do this uh, without facing any consequences. Bob Ray, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Good to talk to you.